Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join the conversation. We are uh, definitely the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Happy to see you again tonight, Abigail. Good to be here, Rebecca. We have a very special guest with us. We do. So we're going to jump right in. So we have the pleasure of having with us this evening Corey DeAngelis. And to all you listeners, if you don't know who he is, oh my word, spend five minutes on Twitter or crawl out from under your rock <laughs> um, because he is everywhere. He is a crusader in the school choice movement. He is truly everywhere as in he is the best troll of Randy Weingarten, head of the teachers union. <laughs> Which we I love. deeply appreciate his work there. But in addition to that, he is working with states across the country in encouraging on the school choice movement and has had huge success. So, Corey, thank you so much and welcome to the program. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, Corey, you and I had the pleasure of meeting on Wednesday night when you were here in Minnesota uh, for a school choice event that was held by the Minnesota Parents Association and then all of a sudden, or and also the um, Center of the American Experiment. And mm-hmm. we were so glad to have you in town, and I was happy to serve on that panel after you spoke, and it was a great room full of people that were energized by what you had to say. But I know earlier in the day, you spoke with a group of Minnesota legislators. I think they were all Republican, though I believe that they invited everyone. Um, so no surprise, <laughs> I guess, that just the Republicans showed up. But can you tell us a little bit about your experience there when you were meeting with mm-hmm. the legislators? Yeah, look, uh, the event was great. Uh, everybody was fired up for education freedom. We had a whole room uh, full of people, and everybody got a free copy of uh, my new book, Mediocrity, 40 Ways Government Schools Are Failing Today's Students. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, but, yes, yeah, all throughout the day, everybody was fired up for education freedom. With the legislators, it was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise to see all the Republicans, at least, who showed up. Uh, in lockstep on the issue of education freedom. And and we are seeing this in other states, too, where 
school choice and parental rights and education has really become a GOP litmus test issue in particular over the past few years, partially because of people like uh, who you mentioned, Randy Weingarten, the teachers unions who lobbied the CDC to make it more difficult to reopen the public schools in person, who they were, they were threatening safety strikes in 2020, and they even called Trump's plan to reopen schools reckless, callous, and cruel. They were doing everything they could to prevent their uh, union members from returning back to work, which hurt kids in so many ways, mentally, physically, and obviously academically as well. But the silver lining, the unintended benefit of this remote learning, which we really should have just called remotely learning because there wasn't a lot of learning going on. <laughs> so true. Uh, was that... <laughs> Families got to see what was going on in the classroom, and even parents who thought that their kids were in good public schools because of the – maybe they had an A rating from the state, or maybe their kid had high scores on standardized tests. Those same parents who thought that, that, that everything was okay started to see another dimension of school quality that is arguably more important than anything that can ever be captured by a standardized test, which is whether the school's curriculum aligned with your values. And I like how you pointed at the start of this uh, episode of this show that, you know, the classroom really dictates the, the, the future of the country. And you, you really mm-hmm. can't be 13 years of indoctrination that's happening from a left-wing perspective right now in the government school system all across the country. Uh, you can't beat that. Um, you have um, the state educating your kids in ways that aren't aligned with their values, and that has really mobilized parents like we've never seen before to, one, push back at school board meetings where they sadly just get labeled as domestic terrorists from the Department of Justice. And arrested, and arrested even in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the so-called democratic accountability just doesn't work if you don't have real leverage. And you know what? School choice gives parents that leverage. You don't even have to use it to benefit from it because then the school boards start to listen to you. If you can say, hey, if you're not going to listen to me or if you want to label me this or that or the other and an extremist or whatever you want to call me, I can take my kids' education dollars elsewhere. My kids don't belong to your institution anymore. That's why parents are pushing for school choice. And we've seen a revolution igniting Mm -hmm. all across the country. Six states have gone all in on school choice in the past two years alone. And in 2023, this is a record-setting year already in red states in particular. Uh, and it's only May. We're not done yet. We're just getting started. It is just outstanding news, isn't it? It's It feels so good to hear also that you're realizing that in talking with Republican legislators here in Minnesota and across the nation, that that is becoming a key topic for them and that they are realizing that in order to win an election, they need to be on the right side of school choice. Because right. in the past, that wasn't always the case. Um, and, and in fact, even here in Minnesota, there is a group of individuals that, that represent a pretty large portion of those that would donate to the Republican Party. I think it's called the Minnesota Freedom Caucus, if that's what I, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know historically they have not been super excited about school choice. Um, I think they see it as controversial, even though uh, they would align themselves with the Republican Party. And and that has been a barrier too, um, not just not just the Democrats, but then mm-hmm. having financial supporters that are not wanting to push this issue. And yeah. so I am kind of curious, specifically when you met with the legislators here in Minnesota, 
Did you find all of them to feel confident that they could move forward on this issue without any hesitation? Or was there still a level of hesitation on their part? I mean, look, what we've seen in other states is Republicans locking arms. I was just in North Carolina last week. Every single Republican in both chambers have signed on to a universal school choice bill for all families, which gives them just enough votes in each chamber to override a veto that's expected from their hypocrite Democrat governor, Roy Cooper, who sent his own kid to (laughs) private school. school. He fights against it for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Arizona, they had one seat majorities. All Republicans voted together on this issue. Uh, And look at the in the primaries. Republicans opposing parental rights and education are getting absolutely wrecked in Tennessee. Ten of them uh, in the House primaries for the Republican side were endorsed or funded by teachers unions and they all lost, Mm, they all lost uh, their primaries. So Mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. becoming uh, one of the top GOP litmus test issues. And when I was in the Capitol in Minnesota, it sounds like the Republicans are fired up about this, not just as the right thing to do and as a party platform issue, but as a political winner at the same time, look at what happened with Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, where Terry McAuliffe let the masks, Flip because he's in bed with the teachers unions. That's all. That's that's the only reason there is any opposition to education freedom. It, it, there's no good argument against school choice and to trap and, and, and in favor of trapping poor kids in particular in residentially assigned failing government run schools. There's there's no excuse mm-hmm. for that. The only argument has been that the teachers unions have power. But now we're seeing a, a, a new special interest emerge and they're called parents. They're the kids' union, yes. and they're more powerful than the teachers' union because they have more power in numbers. There's more parents than employees in the mm-hmm. system, and they care about their kids more than anybody else. So they're they're going to win this war that the unions have been waging on their children uh, for decades now. And in, with my group, the American Federation for Children, there wasn't a red wave in the midterms like we we're hoping. There wasn't a blue wave. But there was a school choice wave. Seventy six percent of the candidates supported by my organization and our state affiliates won their races in 2022. Wow, that's fantastic. Seventy six percent. That's fantastic. And, and you, you might say, well, did you just play incumbent defense and play the easy races? No, we targeted sixty nine state level incumbents and in legislatures. The hardest thing to do in politics to, to defeat a sitting legislator. And we took out 40 of them. Uh, so the message has become clear. Support parental rights and education or lose your job. Mm-hmm. And you don't just have to take my word for it. You can look at the liberal tears in the New Yorker magazine right after the midterms. The liberal author lamented that, quote, education freedom advocates, candidates, fared depressingly well in the midterms. <laughs> depressingly uh, so well. Even our opponents are admitting. <laughs> oh and you should have seen the NBC hit piece on my organization saying about how powerful we are and how education freedom candidates are just uh, sweeping the nation um, mm. in legislatures across the country. And they, they pointed out that we spent $9 million, and it's like, Okay, well, compare that to how much the unions right. are spending. Oh my gosh, they spend that in. That's a, they and might so spend that, yeah. One they state. left that out, obviously, but we're beating them despite being outspent by a, a, a massive amount. Why? Because it's such a popular issue. In Minnesota, 71% of adults support education savings accounts, which were proposed this year, and 76% of Minnesota parents with school-aged children support education savings accounts, which is the gold standard of school choice policy that's currently passing uh, in red states right now. And I think in blue states, 
if, if the Democrats don't come along, they're going to continue to lose seats. Those blue states will become red states. I hope that that uh, is the case. I do have a quick question for you, Corey, just to follow up on these amazing results that your organization is producing. I just had a question, and this, in all honesty, comes from a place of please in a state that used to be purple, and we are going hardcore blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us hope. So that's that's yeah. the tenor in which I'm asking is, when you're investing that money um, going up against those incumbents, was that in mainly purple states? Was it a combination of red, purple? Did you have success in blue states? I Again, asking for hope here, mm-hmm. because Minnesota actually did yeah. the opposite. We did Not only did we not have the midterm results that we were hoping for, um, but Minnesota has been a divided government for as long as I've lived here. And so there was always a check. There was always a balance um, against one side getting its way. And so the compromise was forced. We are experiencing um, this legislative session, um, the the trifecta. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us right. about that? What was the track record in states that are more blue with your organization? Yeah, my organization is mainly focused in red and purple states. Okay. So. Sorry about that. No, no, not at all. You're, you're doing such great work. We need it done. I just, again, those of us in Minnesota, we are just looking for hope. <laughs> well, the good, the good news is Minnesota is still close. Even though Republicans no longer control the Senate, it's a one-seat difference. And then right. in the House, it's what, a handful of mm-hmm. uh, 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 the Democrat majority. Uh, so that can flip uh, in a relatively short amount of time. And in some states, we're seeing Democrats defect on the issue. In fact, in North Carolina, which I mentioned earlier, a sitting legislator, a Democrat, Trisha Cotham, switched parties. Mm-hmm. So the Democrats aren't just and it was on the issue of school choice. And she ran is running currently their universal school choice bill, which really fired up the rest of the Republicans over there to all sign on to the bill. But the, the Democratic politicians aren't just losing voters on the issue. They're even losing their own sitting legislators. I mean, so some Democrats are defecting on the issue and starting to sway towards school choice. In fact, in Nebraska, they have three Democrats who co-sponsored a, a massive school choice bill out there, and they all voted for it. And we also have high-profile Democrats uh, who were up in the polls in the midterms flipped on school choice right before the election. Think about uh, Pennsylvania. Yep. Mm-hmm. But their attorney general, Josh mm-hmm. Shapiro, he was up by double digits in the polls. But his opponent, Doug Mastriano, the Republican, started calling him a hypocrite on school choice because he was sending all his kids to private school. And uh, he flipped and, and put education savings accounts into his party his education platform right before the election Mm -hmm. Uh, jb pritzker of illinois he was up by double digits he flipped on on the school choice program in in their state he vowed to get rid of it in 2017 and 2018 three weeks before the election he said he supported the same program he vowed to get rid of and a lot of people were saying hey they, they didn't really have a true change of heart they were just you know reading the tea leaves and my response is it doesn't matter what the reason is that two high profile democrats felt compelled to switch their platform on education and school choice right before the election when they were up Mm -hmm. that tells you that uh, the political winds have shifted in favor of families that's good news whatever the reason milton friedman had a lot of good quotes but one of his best quotes he famously said that it's the way that you change things is not about getting the right people into office. Of course, that can help uh, you get things done. But the way you really change things is about creating a political climate 
of public opinion where it becomes politically profitable for the wrong people to do the right thing. And it's now we've reached that moment with education freedom that it's becoming a political winner to support parents and becoming a form of political suicide to oppose it. So if the Republicans in particular are smart in in Minnesota, they will run on this issue as hard as possible. Because if anybody wants to fight against parental rights in education, they look like outright communists Mm -hmm. who think that the kids and the money meant for the kids belong to the government. They don't. Parents should be in the driver's seat. They should have a say in their kids' education. And that's what happened to Terry McAuliffe. He had to He had to uh, 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 make Randy Weingarten happy because he's owned by the teachers unions. Mm, Yes. He he was in a catch-22 situation. Mm. So if the Minnesota Republicans are smart, they will follow the blueprint of Glenn Youngkin. And if some Democrats are smart, too, they'll pick the kids union, the Mm -hmm. parents over the teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that you um, and I know that there have there are many others within either the school school choice union or just uh, not school choice union, excuse me, but the education choice movement um, that are basically we're moving from where I think Republicans have been for a long time. We're on the defensive. We're, we're doing the yep. we're doing the Mitt Romney from, you know, 2012. Let's just be nice and try not to fight. Yep. And um, I absolutely love everything that you all are doing with saying, no, you know what? It's time to go on offensive. Mm-hmm. These are not your kids. And by the way, sure. Randy Weingarten. Why are you in Ukraine, by the way? What exactly? Right. I mean, I saw your Ukrainian tweets and I thought. Suffered enough. Yes, I yeah. mean, come on. They're already living through a war. They have to put up with you, too. She already destroyed our schools. She's going to try to destroy. Their, she wants to close their schools, too. I mean, what, what is she going to do? Make the war go remote like she did with our schools? Yeah, yeah. although they I might mean, that would actually prefer help. that. That would actually help. Say. Yeah. <laughs> Do you foresee a time when the NAACP will ever flip on this issue? I mean, it, I think the the path towards bipartisanship in the long run is through hyperpartisanship in the short run. Mm-hmm. The more that the GOP leans into parental rights as a political winner, the more it becomes politically disastrous for Democrats and other groups to oppose mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take the GOP to lead on the issue. If they don't, if they don't say a word about school choice like they have for far too long, well, they give the Democrats a pass and they can continue to oppose it. But the more that this becomes a litmus test issue for Republicans, Democrats will continue to defect on the issue and it'll become bipartisan and it'll become unthinkable that anybody opposed freedom for parents to choose the school that's best for them. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. You look at the support among voters, supermajority support nationwide among Republicans, Democrats, and independents, according to Real Clear Opinion Research polling, with 72% of Americans supporting school choice uh, overall. And uh, you look at the arguments for school choice. This is You can come up with left and right-leaning arguments for this. Yes, it, it creates more competition in a free market, but it also means more freedom for parents and it's also an equalizer think about the kids who are stuck in the worst that's government right. schools yep, and who right. can't mm-hmm. who can't afford private school right now it's the it's the least advantage so funding the student as opposed to the system allows for more educational opportunity it's an equalizer yep. uh, so this is the left and the right should be able to get on uh, get on board with this it's just that the teachers unions own the democratic yep. party and, and- uh, hopefully for not 
not much longer. And in the state of Minnesota, they I think I mentioned that to you on Wednesday night, they are very powerful. Education Minnesota threatens Democratic candidates all the time if they go if they flip on this issue. So you're right. That means the Republicans have to lean in even harder on this issue to kind of yes. force 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 the hand. And they need to go the Democrats. Yeah. On the offensive. And that's what you've done really well. Corey, would you mind giving an example? And a, this is one that I've heard in other interviews, but I would love for our listeners to hear it. Because you flipped the script Mm -hmm. so perfectly, the argument of, well, but if we allow school choice, doesn't that defund government schools? I was just going to go there. He's Ah, got his wonderful Walmart Walmart analogy that you shared. Could you share that with our listeners? Because it was was fantastic. I mean, my main response is the money doesn't belong to the government schools. It doesn't belong to the private schools either, to be clear. Education funding is meant for educating children, not for propping up and protecting a particular institution. We should fund the student as opposed to the system. And I mean, just imagine if someone said that allowing families to take their food stamp dollars to wherever they want to go defunded Walmart. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense because we all know the money doesn't belong to Walmart. It belongs to the families, and they can choose Walmart if they want, but if not, they should be able to take that to Trader Joe's or any other the provider. Same thing with the school system. The money's meant for the kid. They should have the option of the public school, and they do. With every school choice program that has ever existed, you can still take your full per-student allotment to the government-run school. If you like your public school, you can <laughs> keep, to keep it. School. Something very different uh, from what we heard. I was going to say, from what we heard with Obama a long unlike time ago. Your doctor, unlike <laughs> with your doctor. And in fact, there are 29 studies on this subject. That's it. And 26 of the 29 find positive effects of private school choice competition on the outcomes in the public schools. School choice is a rising tide that lifts all boats. The public schools up their game in response to competition. We've seen that basically everywhere that this has been tried, 26 to 29 positive. And look, mathematically, the public schools end up with higher per student revenues and expenditures. Why? Because in Minnesota, the public schools spend over $15,000 per kid. I think it's actually closer to $18,000 yeah, per Minneapolis kid. Minneapolis so is $25,000. Yep. Yeah. yeah, depending where you're at. But statewide, yeah, it's, it's probably mm-hmm. around $18,000. The, the proposal was only to allow the state portion to follow the kid, about seven dollars or $8,000 in scholarships. So the public schools get to keep all the local and federal money. So they get to keep about half the funding for students who are no longer there. I mean, just imagine if you stopped shopping at Walmart and you started shopping at Trader Joe's and Walmart got to keep half of your grocery funding each week. That'd be a good deal for them. I mean, yeah. they, they, they would love that. The public school should love this, too. They end up financially better off on a per-student basis. Instead of 18000 a kid, depending on how many kids leave, they could end up with nineteen or $20,000 per mm-hmm. kid. So they get to keep thousands of dollars for students who are no longer there each year. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's strange how that works out, but that's how state funding formulas work right. and how these programs work. And then, yeah. and then lastly— Oh, go ahead. Real quick, why, you know, when people make this argument, it's like, well, why would that happen? Why would giving families a choice defund the public schools if they're doing a good job? Well, they're essentially admitting they don't believe the public schools are doing a good job and that parents aren't happy with what they're getting. That's an argument to let families free. That's not an argument to trap them in schools that aren't working for them. Kind of like all the communist countries that are so amazing that you have to build fences around them to keep the people in. in. (laughs) Right. Yeah, socialist countries build walls to keep citizens in. Socialist schools build walls to keep poor kids in. Mm-hmm. Say, Corey, one of the things that comes up always when we talk about uh, 
school choice, and we did discuss this on Wednesday night as well at the panel level, is for fear of those who have their kids in homeschool or Christian schools taking this money. The fear, of course, is for government involvement and starting to dictate what the school can teach or what the homeschool can teach. Um, Can you talk to that? I thought you did a great job of explaining that to the audience that night. Yeah, look, the government can already do this. Uh, the government can regulate private and home education without school choice. And they're more likely to do that if you have nine out of 10 kids going to government-run institutions for 13 years where they learn that big government policy is good. They'll turn out to vote to regulate private and home education later on in life. We have a better chance of fighting against the likelihood of that happening if we have school choice for at least three reasons. One, you have fewer people in those socialist schools. Two, you have a bigger uh, uh a coalition. If you have more people using private and home education through school choice, you'll have a bigger coalition to fight against calls to regulate school choice in the future. And then three, if more people are using private and home education through school choice, you'll have the concept becomes more mainstream. And if society is more accepting of the concept, if it's not some icky thing that a few people are doing over there, the society should be less likely to call to regulate it at all. So this was one of the benefits of the school closures is that parents became much more favorable towards homeschooling and voters in general. I mean, uh, EdChoice did polling on this every month starting in April of 2020, finding each month that, that respondents were about four times more likely to say that they become more favorable towards homeschooling as opposed to saying that they were less favorable towards homeschooling relative to prior to the mm-hmm. pandemic. So these are all ways that this will be less likely to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we, we got to take the W's when we can. We can't make perfect the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. And um, this is an incremental step in the right direction. No one is forced to take the money. There has never been a school choice program for the, the, the three decades we've had them in over 30 states now. They have never forced families or schools to accept the funding. Everybody should be able to make that decision for themselves and read the bill. I mean, not all school choice bills are equal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have concerns about regulation, make sure they have uh, our model language from American Federation for Children. Institute for Justice has the same model language as well, having specific provisions to not allow the government to dictate the curriculum, creed, the admissions processes or standards of the school that will say, provide an additional safeguard against this happening in the program. So look for those things. Don't fight against school choice because of this outright. Fight to have the bill the way uh, you would like it uh, so that you could avoid regulation as much as possible. And again, look, the government has done this before. Uh, in Oregon in 1922, they outlawed private education. That was not because of a school choice program. That was because they had authoritarians <laughs> in government Mm-hmm. Thankfully, three years later, the Supreme Court and Pierce was a Society of Sisters uh, famously uh, ruled in the majority opinion that, quote, the child is not the mere creature of the state. This is also happening in New York. New York doesn't have any private school choice programs, and they have the worst homeschooling regulations in the country. Again, that's because of authoritarians in power. You might as well fight against that. Uh, uh, happening by getting more people, a bigger coalition benefiting uh, from school choice to push back. And and by the way, we we mentioned Randy Weingarten earlier. She's made the same argument mm-hmm. against you know uh, the same argument to fearmonger in red states in particular. And is she making this argument because she's a libertarian against government? I didn't know we were on a comedy show. <laughs> right, she, she's making this argument because she knows. 
if it gains traction, she'll be able to block school choice in union-dominated states and in red states, and she'll get to keep her gravy train going and her over $500,000 salary no. per year no. to infiltrate, no. uh, to trap yeah. kids in her government. Hey. You know, so. Corey, you are so, you are so right. good at explaining all of this, and we're actually down to just a few seconds here. And so yep. I just want to say thank you again for all you are doing. You are on the forefront, and we are grateful. People all across this nation yes. are grateful. And I also want to plug your book one more time, um, Mediocrity, 40 Ways Government Schools Are Failing. Again, this is by uh, Corey DeAngelis. And Corey, thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you on the show. And everyone, if you're looking for just something to encourage you, to help you and go on the offensive and fight for your kids, look Corey up on Twitter. Not only does he have great information, but he's kind of funny too. Yeah, you're a great guy, Corey. I enjoyed meeting you on Wednesday night. And best wishes to you as you get married this fall. And uh, thank you for hey, joining us congratulations. Have Absolutely. a good night. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Good night.